Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hello and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short, and with me here is Drew Silva. How's it going? Good. Um, ready to. This is kind of the final series, I guess, in our in our rankings um, podcast. Yes. Um, so yeah, we'll be doing starting pitching and and relief pitchers, and trying to identify values, going through some rankings, and just trying to provide some good nuggets for the listeners. Yep, we're right back to it. Uh, you can go back in our archives to hear our rankings for other positions. I definitely encourage that if you're starting to think about strategy for your fantasy draft. Another way to do that is to pick up the Roto World Baseball Draft Guide magazine, which is available in stores now. Uh, there's also the online version, which will update throughout spring training and take into account all these moves we're seeing across Major League Baseball right now. The draft guide is chock full of everything you need to get ready for draft day, projections, detailed player profiles, average draft position data, articles on sleepers, busts, our top 100 prospects, a ton more. We put so many hours into this thing, uh, but I'm confident in saying it'll set you up nicely for your draft. Head to rotoworld.com to check it out. Once again, we're doing starting pitcher and reliever rankings for this episode. Uh, We're going to start with starting pitchers before moving on to relievers. And Drew, you're going to kick things off with your starting pitcher ranking. So the floor is all yours. Yeah, I, I listed out 60, but I'm just going to read the top 25 <laughs> yeah. so that we don't we don't lose any listeners. That sounds um, like a plan. And then we'll dig into some values, some some lower tier guys that we like and, and whatnot. All right. all right, here we go. Number one, Clayton Kershaw. Number two, Max Scherzer. Number three, Corey Kluber. Number four, Chris Sale. Five, Steven Strasburg. Six, Noah Syndergaard. Seven, Carlos Carrasco. Eight, Jacob deGrom. Nine, Madison Bumgarner. Ten, Luis Severino. Eleven, Justin Verlander. Twelve, James Paxton. Thirteen, Yu Darvish. Fourteen, Robbie Ray. Fifteen, Zach Greinke. Sixteen, Aaron Nola. Seventeen, Chris Archer. Eighteen, Jose Quintana. Nineteen, Dallas Keuchel. Twenty, Carlos Martinez. 21, Kyle Hendricks, 22, Zach Godley, 23, John Lester, 24, David Price, 25, Alex Wood. All right. And I'm just going to kind of, yeah, I was just going to like kind of summarize my my top 10. Go, yeah, go for it. Do yeah, it. I mean, I think Kershaw and Scherzer are, are obvious at number one and number two. Probably going to be a, a consensus there across all standard mixed fantasy leagues. 
Um, Kluber and Sale may be a little interchangeable at number three and number four. Sale promises you more strikeouts. Kluber promises you a lower ERA. Um, I'm confident in ranking Strasburg fifth on this list. Had a career year in many ways in 2017. Only got to 175 innings, but all the rate stats and the strikeout rate checked out. If, if he reaches 200 innings this year, he'll be right up there with, with the top four guys. Um, and then I, I, I kind of consider that the top tier. And then from there, I think things get a little more interesting or, I guess, debate-worthy for me. Um, Syndergaard, you know, at, at number six, carries some question marks after making only seven starts last year because of that torn lap muscle. But I'm pretty much all aboard uh, with Thor this year. I think he's going to be, be out there to prove that he's still one of the you know, most dominant dudes around. Um, everything has, has looked good so far this spring. Um, Carlos Carrasco is maybe a little safer than Syndergaard, the guy ha- I had ranked seventh, but he's had ERAs in the threes the last three years. I think Syndergaard can do better than that ERA in the two, I'm thinking. I mean, he has a 2.65 ERA over the last two seasons, which includes you know, his injury-shortened year last year. Also, 252 strikeouts and just 46 walks and 214 innings during that stretch. Um, Jacob deGrom is really underrated in my mind across baseball. Also probably safer than Syndergaard, but perhaps not quite the upside coming off a 3.53 ERA and 1.19 whip. I think both of those numbers could drop this year. Um, Madison Bumgarner, who I had ranked ninth, um, made a nice recovery from that scary off-field shoulder injury last year. Though dirt his strike, yeah, dirt, yeah, riding dirt bikes. Um, his strikeout rate did fall when he returned, and his ERA did rise a bit from his career norm. I feel pretty confident that he'll be closer to his old self this season. He's only 28 years old, I think, which just might surprise people. But you know, there is some lingering uncertainty there. Um, I had him ninth. But like I said, that feels right for now. Um, I had Luis Severino at number 10, maybe the biggest jump of any pitcher who wasn't a rookie last season, only 24 years old, coming off a 2.98 ERA, 230 strikeouts and 193 innings, got lit up in that first inning of the American League wildcard game. But his one ALDS start against the Indians was really good, if you remember that. And then I think he was just running on fumes towards the end. That was a big jump in, in workload for him and really becoming the ace of that staff, but should carry great potential for wins and everything else this year on a loaded Yankees team. So I had Severino nine, but um, going back up to the top of the board, I think Kershaw, Kluber, Sale, Scherzer, they're in a tier by themselves. I think yeah, it's that, safe I, to say. I could, um, I, and, I could dig that. And I think Kershaw... Not the slam dunk number one that he's been in in previous seasons. Um, You look at the back-to-back years he's had uh, these back issues. It's going to be in the back of my mind this year for sure. Uh, He gave up a career-high 23 home runs last season. I mean, although everyone was giving up homers, but still something to keep an eye on. The velocity ticked down a little bit. You can definitely nitpick. I still think he's the number one starting pitcher, but it's a lot closer than it used to be. And I'm bunching all four of them together, and you might be surprised I have Scherzer number four, not number two. And wow, I think I, I'm with when you're doing these rankings, especially with <laughs> pitchers who are all so close together. You're like trying to find little things um, that you can nitpick about. Scherzer's the oldest pitcher in that bunch. He's thrown the most innings in in baseball over the last five years. Um, he surpassed 200 innings in all those years. You could look at it from another direction and say, oh, he's racking up strikeouts in that time. So 
I'm certainly willing to hear that argument as well. But just the fact that he's the oldest pitcher, he's thrown all that many innings, you kind of wonder at some point will that catch up to him. So that's all I'm saying as far as that. I had Kluber 2, Sale 3. Um, I have Syndergaard 5 just because of the upside coming back from the injury. I mean, he has a 2.89 ERA, uh, over 10 strikeouts per 9 innings in his career. Uh, it's aggressive, but I think if anybody can, who can jump into that tier with those four guys, I think it could be Syndergaard. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I agree with you. I think there's, you have to really do nitpicking to, to find the guy you like among those top six, top seven even, maybe top eight. Um, I just, I, I think it was good that we kind of just ran through the top 10 um, because there is, I think, a drop-off from there. Um, if you want to get into get into that, I mean, I had James Paxton at number twelve. I think that's probably high. Where did you have him? I had him. I believe I have him twenty-one. Let's Woo! see. Yeah, twenty-one. And I, I love mean, I love yeah. James Paxton. I, I drafted him pretty much everywhere last season, and he was great. Two two nine eight ERA and twenty four starts. I mean, he throws hard, gets plenty of whiffs, good control, uh, limited home runs last year, which was nice to see. So everything you want from a fantasy ace, except the health part. And that's yep. really what I'm worried about. He's never thrown more than 136 innings in a season before. Had forearm and pectoral issues last year, if I remember right. Um, so the health pushes him back. But, I mean, I think he's going to be really good when he pitches. I'm just concerned about the innings total. Yeah, I mean, needs to turn potential into real production for sure. I, I feel less confident about the middle tier middle tier of starting pitchers this year than I think I ever have. I mean, that probably has something to do with offense being up around the league. So I think you have to take some risks. And like you said, 2.98 ERA, 150 strikeouts, 156 strikeouts in 136 innings last year, even through those forearm and pectoral strains. I, there are durability concerns. You know, he's 29 years old. He's never made more than 24 starts in a season. But the upside is obvious. Um, if he gets to 180, 200 innings, that's, I mean, we're talking about one of the best fantasy starters in baseball, perhaps. He has a great home park at Seattle Safeco Field. Um, just a, a guy that I'm, I might reach for in a lot of drafts this year. Where did you say you had Robbie Ray? 14. Okay, I had him 13, and I, I think I, I moved him up a few spots after hearing about the humidor, and I already yep. really liked mm-hmm. him a lot, but um, you worry about the control a little bit, but uh, had the fourth highest strikeout percentage in the major majors last season, only behind Chris Sale, Max Scherzer, Corey Kluber. So, uh, really good company there. And you know, if that ballpark turns out to be pitcher friendly, all of a sudden, I mean, watch out. So, uh, I, you said reaching for upside. I, I really like Robbie Ray uh, this year. I'll probably be potentially reaching for him. Yeah, allowed 23 home runs and 28 starts last year, which isn't bad. But you know, if that home run rate gets smaller he, he could be a truly elite fantasy starter with the strikeouts um some other diamondbacks pitchers i guess you might might as well get into it who could benefit from the humidor i had zach godley pretty high um, let me look where at number 22 um i think that, that's probably aggressive but i bumped him up once i heard the news you know, 3.37 era 1.14 whip and 165 strikeouts and 155 innings last year allowed just 15 homers and 25 starts um, the most recently updated average draft position data that I've come across has him as the 33rd starting pitcher off the board. Like I said, he's 22nd on my ranking. So, you know, again, we're recording this on what February 22nd. Um, so the ADP data, you know, is a little too early to be accurate. But 
he really just came out of the scene last year, struggled as a reliever in 2016. So it could be a pretty good value in more casual leagues because it doesn't have the name recognition. Um, Taiwan Walker, another Diamondbacks pitcher, is maybe a little more well-known than Godley because he's been around and had both ups and downs in two different places, um, but posted a 3.49 ERA over 28 starts last year, which was his first year in Arizona after getting traded from Seattle. A literal under a strikeout per inning for his career, 8.4 K per nine in 2017. Not bad. Um, would be nice if the strikeouts came up a bit and the walks went down a bit. But he's only 25 years old, so I think improvement is very possible. Um, his fastball velocity has fallen since the days he was a top prospect in the Mariners system. But um, Godley and Walker, I think, could be good values in drafts. Yeah, and no, Walker has an average draft position. Again, it's early, but... 219.5 so you know someone you can get late in drafts and, and be a nice value potentially so uh, I have Godley 24 I have Taewon Walker 41 um, I have Zach Greinke 18th uh, of course uh, I mean everybody knows Zach Greinke had a great year last year bounced back anyway 3.20 ERA and 32 starts had his highest strikeout percentage since 2011 so uh, you have to feel good about his chances of repeating uh, now that there's that humidor in Arizona um, someone I really like a lot, um, and I liked him a lot last year too, Aaron Nola. Uh, he was kind of a disaster in 2016, but he got back on track last year, put the elbow issue behind him, 3-5-4 ERA in 27 starts, uh, was in some impressive company with the strikeout percentage, good control, induces grounders, homers didn't hurt him too much last year, Phillies are getting better, I had him 15th in my rankings, I think there's a lot to like with him. Yeah, had the best fastball velocity since he broke into the majors, which makes you feel even better about the, the elbow ligament thing being in the past. Went on a run of 10 straight starts in which he pitched at least six innings while allowing no more than two two runs. Um, you know, was, was the number seven overall pick in the 2014 draft. He'll only be 24 years old leading into this season. The arrow is pointing up. I think people know about him a little more than you know, some other younger sleeper type. So, you know, maybe our rankings are, are high on him, but you're, pr- you're pretty much going to have to reach to get him. And, you know, this year it's he's not a bad guy to reach for because I think he's going to be really good. And like I've said, you know, this, you know, third, fourth tier of starting pitchers is not as promising, I think, as it's been. Um, someone I like spending a full season in the National League, Jose Quintana. I had him 16th. Um, Kind of had a shaky start to his season last year with the White Sox, but was predictably better after coming over to the National League. 3.74 ERA over 14 starts. The strikeouts were way up. The walks and homers came down. I'm excited to see what he can do with the Cubs this year. He should be really solid. Yeah. Um, moving down my rankings a little bit, I think Luis Castillo could be a, a hidden gem in more casual leagues with owners who aren't necessarily locked in on the Reds' rotation which has been a mess for a number of years now. Uh, Castillo made his major league debut in late June last year and went on to post a 3.12 ERA, 1.07 whip, and 98 strikeouts in 89-plus innings. Really good numbers for a pitcher in a, in a bad park for pitchers. Um, he's legit, passes the eye test with a high 90s fastball, sometimes triple-digit fastball, also a, a power changeup that clocks in at about 88 miles an hour and a good slider. Um, he's really, I think, going to be a special pitcher. Yeah, I had him 22nd, and uh, I think he's going to be everybody's favorite 
yeah. for this year, unfortunately. So I think you're going to have to pay the price for him. Uh, but I think it could be worth it. He threw 169 and a third innings between the majors and the minors last year. So the wheels could be off this year. He could push the high 100s. Um, and I think the, the strikeouts will come along with it. Um, where did you have Castillo? I had him 33rd. Okay. Okay. But I, yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's a tough home ballpark. So, I mean, that's yeah. something to factor in. I'm sure there will be some ups and downs and growing pains, but uh, I'm super excited about him for I'm sure. I'm excited about him too. I, I'll probably move him up as I get closer to, to doing a lot of my actual drafts. Somebody I think could be a nice value, and someone was in your, I think he was 25th with you, David Price. Now, it's yep. I had him number 30. Uh, according to NFBC, his average draft position is 117.2, uh, which would put him 29th among starting pitchers, so pretty close to my ranking. And I think at that point in a draft, you should be willing to take a flyer on him, given what we've seen in the past. Um, he's sort of in the same area as far as ADP with Alex Wood, Kyle Hendricks, Rich Hill, guys like that. Um, and I think Price has more upside than that group right there. I, I get the concern about the elbow. Uh, Fenway Park, not an easy place to pitch, but at this price, man, I, I'm definitely down with it. I mean, he looked great when he returned as a reliever towards the end of last year, which makes you feel good about the elbow. You know, pitch eight and two-thirds scoreless innings in September, 13 strikeouts in those eight and two-thirds innings. Um, yeah, he, he could be he could be a real a real value considering what he's done in the past, what we know he can be. What do you think of uh, Luke Weaver? Now, he had a 3.88 yeah. ERA and 10 starts and three relief appearances last year, a lot of strikeouts. Um, are we buying what he did? Yeah. I mean, I locked into a rotation spot with the Cardinals leading into 2018. Former first-round pick out of Florida State. Um, had a 1.99 ERA in 275 career innings in the minors. Was dominant for a seven-week stretch at, at the major league level last year between early August and late September before getting lit up in his final two starts of the season. That kind of inflated his ERA, but it only got inflated to 3.88. Um, throws a high 90s fastball, bulked up in a good way, not a Miguel Sano way this winter. Um, <laughs> has a chance to be really good for a really long time, and I think 2018 could be a true breakout for him. Bush Stadium is a, a good park for pitchers. Um, I think we should touch on Alex Reyes, too. An another good young Cardinal starter. I didn't have him in my top 60, um, but we'll see as the spring goes along and, and if, if his rehab is coming along nicely, I, I think I might put him in there. Missed all of 2017 following Tommy John surgery, which he underwent last February. Um, the target date for his return is May 1st. I think definitely a worthwhile stash, even if you're not going to draft him in, in kind of a smaller league, or I mean draft him and put him on your bench or if you have a DL spot. Um, was the top pitching prospect in all of baseball just a couple of years ago. Posted a 1.57 ERA and 52 strikeouts over his first 46 innings in 2016. Um, I think I guess there's a possibility the Cardinals will use him out of the bullpen initially, but I, I think if his recovery is, is going smoothly and he posts good results in his minor league rehab starts, the Cardinals will put him right into the rotation. I'm, I don't have any faith in Adam Wainwright. Um, he's a guy I put in my bust category as we were preparing for this podcast. So I, I wonder if Reyes maybe steps into Wainwright's rotation spot. I want to get to Shohei Otani in a second. We'll spend a little time on that. But two value picks I like. Uh, Trevor Bauer um, had a 4.19 ERA over 31 starts and one relief, appearances, one relief appearance last year. So that doesn't jump off the page. But 
He had a 2.42 ERA after late July. Started relying more on his curveball, and it really worked for him. I think he could finally be ready to put it all together and should have a reasonable price tag as well. Another pitcher I like, Garrett Richards with the Angels. Uh, especially when you look at the average draft position, he's at 180. So kind of a mid to late round guy. All sorts of health questions. We know that. Uh, but he looked good when he came back last year. 2.28 ERA with 27 strikeouts and 7 walks in 27 and 2 thirds innings. Didn't throw more than 85 pitches in any of those starts. So we're going to need to see him get pushed. But big time risk, but I think there's big time upside as well. I'll mention one more Cardinals pitcher but before we move on from the Cardinals. Miles um, <laughs> Michaelis signed a two-year $15.5 million contract with the Cardinals this winter after spending three years in Japan, during which time he posted a 2.18 ERA and 424 innings for the Tokyo Giants. It's a bit of a mystery, I think, you know, how his stuff might translate back to Major League Baseball. He didn't strike out a ton of batters overseas, and he wasn't very effective at all as, as a younger pitcher with the Padres and Rangers back in 2012, 2013. Um, but stats people who do try to make those translations from the Japanese league to MLB seem to think he could be one of the bargains of the offseason. Uh, like I said, Bush Stadium is almost an extreme pitcher-friendly park. We've seen other not-so-dominant starters have success there, at least in the ERA department. And his strikeout rate in his final year in Japan was pretty good, 187 Ks and, and 188 innings. Um, so there could be some upside there, a guy that's probably not going to go high in drafts if, if, if he goes at all, but he's, he's locked into a rotation spot. And you know J- Japan is a contact league, and so I think striking out 187 batters and 188 innings is pretty good. It's not you Darvish, Shohei Otani level, but um, he, he could be he could be a nice value. I'm definitely intrigued by him and and his mustache, by the way. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> but this is a good transition to Otani. Actually, um, I can I can probably say automatically that he's probably not someone I'm going to end up drafting, and I think that's just because the hype is sort of elevating him higher than where I'm willing to go. Um, just looking at average draft position right now, he's 73, which would make him 18th among starting pitchers. That's in a similar area as Carlos Martinez, Aaron Nola, Jose Quintana, James Paxton, Dallas Keuchel. And I'm not sure I'm ready to go there yet. I mean, you look at Otani, he's never thrown more than 162 and two-thirds innings in a season before, and that was two years ago. And he didn't pitch much last year due to an ankle injury. Um, There was that leak about the ulnar collateral ligament damage, although to be honest, probably not all that different than what many pitchers have if they were heavily scrutinized. Um, but I think just the price tag could be a little out of control. What do you think? Yeah, I know I'm not going to wind up with him in any league just because I'm not willing to take that risk. Um, but I, I mean, I, I like him. I'm so excited. There were tweets about his first batting practice um, on, on the day we recorded this just a few hours ago, hit, hitting bombs, and, and then he's scheduled to make his um, Cactus League debut in a couple days after we finish recording this. Um, but I think the travel is going to be really interesting, how it affects him, how, how the Major League schedule affects him. Sure. Japan is obviously a much smaller country. Um, flying from Anaheim to all over the United States, um, and, and pitching, I mean, they're, they're going to use a six man rotation, the angels say, but so many teams have tried that and it doesn't work out and they have so many 
injury question marks in the rotation. I, I just I don't know if they're going to be able to stick with it. You know, Otani they'll probably just pitch once a week, like like they like he did in Japan, just to keep him on that schedule. But I mean, they're talking about DHing him too on days off. I wonder if if that's going to ca- catch up to him. I'm just I, I I'm really excited about the player. I I just I'm not going to reach for him in fantasy drafts. If he falls to me at a place where I'm comfortable, that's that that would be really exciting. Yeah. Um. But I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the thing with him. We we just don't know. I think the hype's going to drive him a little higher than than maybe it should. And it's also kind of hard to be one one size fits all with analysis because some um, sites may not um, have him as a pitcher and a hitter. Maybe separate uh, it's value getting value as a hitter, getting value as a pitcher. So it's kind of hard to really give a full analysis of of what he is because we we've never really had a player like him before. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I. Yeah, I mean, if if you're playing Yahoo, you get two Otani's. Yep. If you're if you're playing ESPN, CBS Sports, um, you can use them as both a, a hitter and a pitch or a pitcher. It's new territory, really, since I've you know been paying attention to fantasy baseball. Right. Um, I, um, it's I think it's going to be kind of a learn as you go thing for for even fantasy baseball so called experts. Yeah, but no doubt I'm I'm super excited to watch him uh, pitch and hit. And hey, another reason to watch the Angels. And uh, I mean, the the Angels could be a really interesting team this year. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. Um, I wanted to get into some pitchers that I'm probably going to be avoiding as well. Uh, one that sticks out to me is Alex Wood with the Dodgers. Um, hmm. Had the great first half, of course, last year, but the velocity and the strikeouts really dipped during the second half. Um, he has an injury history, um, so someone I'm probably not going to pay full price for. The average draft position isn't crazy, uh, but he's someone that makes me a little bit nervous. Cole Hamels is someone I'm completely out on. Yeah, uh, Posted by far the worst strikeout rate of his career last season, a 6.4K per nine along with a 4.20 ERA. Velocity down on all of his pitches. I would not be optimistic about a, a bounce back in 2018, considering the age. He's 34 years old um, and the hitter-friendly ballpark in Texas. Matt Moore, another Rangers pitcher, I, I think I'm going to avoid. Um, 5.52 ERA, 1.53 whip in 174 innings last year. Loved him as a prospect coming up in the race system, but uh, the velocity isn't there anymore. Used to throw 98 free and easy. Now it's, it's more like 91, 92. Um, Julio Tehran, another, I think, guy I'm probably going to avoid once a very valuable fantasy starter, but um, something happened to his delivery last season. I don't know if it was intentional or maybe injury related, but his release point was all, all off and kind of all over the map. A strikeout rate down walk rate way up 72 walks and 188 innings with the Braves last year. And then I mentioned Adam Wainwright earlier. I, I wouldn't draft him. I, I, I don't know. I think it might be, might, might be over for him. And then Felix Hernandez, two uh two former vet two veteran former aces who just aren't really on my radar not optimistic about either of those guys turning things around Gio Gonzalez is another one I wanted to mention uh 296 ERA last year but advanced metrics really didn't back it up uh he did switch up his pitch mix a little bit uh, but he had a 258 BABIP uh 81.6% strand rate uh third among qualified starters and walk percentage I think this is just a situation you should avoid him I think the average drop position is going to be a little bit high. Um, so someone I'm probably going to avoid. I should talk up one Rangers pitcher since I trashed 
uh, Cole Hamels and Matt Moore. <laughs> and that, that's Matt Bush, who uh, is going to get a chance to move from the bullpen to the rotation this spring and sounds really determined to, to make that happen for his career. He said, there's no doubt in my mind. I'm not looking back when he arrived at, at Rangers camp in Arizona. Um, most baseball fans know his story. Former number one overall pick as a shortstop completely flamed out, had a number of legal troubles, including one really horrible incident. Um, you can Google it if you don't know. He was a, a really reprehensible person at one point in his life, spent three years in prison. Um, but from a fantasy baseball standpoint, you know, looking ahead to this year and, and the possibility of him becoming an established starting pitcher, the potential is there maybe for him, him to be a sleeper. Someone I like as a sleeper you can probably get pretty late. Blake Snell with the Rays. Um, he finished last season really strong, and I think the most encouraging part was that he showed improved control as well. That's kind of been his bugaboo so far in the majors. I think he could be a great value in that spot. I think there's some really exciting young pitchers going late. Uh, Denelson Lamette with the Padres kind of had a lofty ERA last season, still walks too many guys, but he struck out 139 batters and 114 in a third innings last season, which I think would surprise a lot of people. Um, he's sort of a two-pitch pitcher at this point, fastball slider, um, so he really needs to work on that third pitch. Uh, but hey, he's in San Diego. I think it's a good situation for him. He's someone to watch. Jordan Montgomery with the Yankees I like a lot. Uh, Luis Gohara with the Braves, big left-hander. Uh, showed some potential down the stretch as well. So I think there's some nice late-round upside young starting pitchers on the rise. Yeah, Blake Snell... I- I think if you stash him away as like a sixth or seventh starter on your fantasy roster, and you can get him that late, um, and just hope he puts it all together. It showed some flashes of it, has showed some flashes of it. Was a huge prospect not too long ago. I, I really, I really like him. Another race pitcher I like is Jacob Faria, um, locked into an open eight, opening day rotation spot this season after posting a three point four three ERA and eighty four strikeouts over his first eighty six major league innings last year. Had a 3.07 ERA and 84 strikeouts in 58 innings at AAA Durham before he got the call up. Um, another young guy who's maybe ready to make a jump is Lucas Giolito. Uh, at one point, among the most highly regarded prospects in baseball, talked about as a future ace of the Nationals. Had an up and down final season in Washington's you know, system in 2016 before they traded him to the White Sox as part of the Adam Eaton deal. His first few months last year at AAA Charlotte were pretty concerning, but he seemed to find something in around late May or early June, went on a nice run at Charlotte, arrived in Chicago in August, and went on to deliver a 2.38 ERA and 0.94 whip over his you know, 40, his first 45 and a third major league innings with the White Sox. He'll be in the rot- rotation on, on opening day this year, and a pretty big part of it considering James Shields and Miguel Gonzalez are projected as their top two starters. Woof. Only, tr- yeah, <laughs> only 23 years old. Um, you know, despite his winding path to the major leagues, and then I, I would love to talk up Brent, Brent Honeywell of the Rays, um, but he injured his forearm and maybe elbow while throwing a bullpen session a few hours before we started recording this podcast. It's it sounds serious, and you know when when it sounds serious and it involves that part of the body, often a, a lengthy absence possibly even surgery will follow um he's the raised top pitching prospect and arguably the top pitching prospect in all of baseball but uh, not to speculate but it sounds like he could maybe 
beheaded for Tommy John surgery or something like that. Yeah, it definitely sounds ominous. Um, some other young pitchers to look for, Walker Bueller with the Dodgers. Uh, I think he could make a real impact this year. Um, maybe not right away, but definitely someone to keep an eye out for. Michael Kopech with the White Sox. I think we could see him before the year is out. And by the way, another Chicago pitcher that I wanted to mention earlier, Tyler Chatwood. Comes over from the Rockies to the Cubs. Uh, he's had really good numbers outside of Coors Field during his career. Maybe not so many strikeouts, uh, but I think with that lineup, I think he could be mixed league relevant this year, maybe as sort of a fifth, sixth starter or someone you use in certain matchups. But I'm interested to see what he can do. Yeah, I was looking at him, and I was thinking maybe his strikeout rate would be higher on the road than it was at Coors Field because people talk about how breaking balls don't work as well in the thin air in Denver, but it really isn't. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't know if you're going to really want to expect more strikeouts mm-hmm. from. Or if you, but I mean, you can get him really late. He's not a guy, not a bad guy to take a chance on. Exactly. Um, so that's all I have for starters right now. I could probably keep going, uh, but for the sake of time. Uh, should we jump into the relievers? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I'm gonna re- I'm gonna read my reliever rankings. I'm just gonna do my top fifteen. Um, starting number one, Kenley Jansen. Number two, Craig Kimbrell. Number three, uh, Roberto Ozuna. Uh, number four, Felipe Rivero. Number five, Edwin Diaz. Number six, Ken Giles. Number seven, Rysel Iglesias. Number eight, Aroldis Chapman. Number nine, Cody Allen. Number ten, Corey Knebel. Number 11, Brad Hand. Number 12, Alex Colomay. 13, Wade Davis. 14, Mark Melanson. 15, Brandon Morrow. Okay. Um, we're, we're, we're fairly similar, I guess. I, mean, I think Kenley Jansen and Craig Kimball are per, pretty obvious at, at the top. Yeah, they're like 1A um, and 1B, basically. Yeah. Jansen, 109 strikeouts, only 7 walks in 68 innings last year. The Crazy. ERA and WHIP are fantastic. Finished tied for the NL lead and saves with 41. Dodgers should win a ton of games this year. And then Kimbrell, kind of similar stats, better strikeout rate even than Jansen last year in Boston. Uh, will be a free agent next winter, so you have that narrative if you want it. Um, could jump into the $80 million closer club with Jansen and Aroldis Chapman if everything goes well for him. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird with Kimbrell because his first season in Boston was kind of disappointing, but he had his best year ever last year, basically. I mean... The dude struck out 126 batters in 69 innings. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, Velocity better than ever before. He cut down on the walks last year. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, those guys are obvious one, two. I think there's a lot of separation after that. I think you could go any number of ways. Uh, Osuna, somebody I think is is interesting. Uh, He had 10 blown saves last year, believe it or not. Uh, 3.38 ERA. Uh, that might stand out on the surface, but the secondary numbers were really good. 83 strikeouts, just nine walks in 64 innings, only gave up three homers. To me, he's as solid as it gets. I think it gets a little riskier after that. Yeah, number five, I mean, I had Azuna f- a fifth, okay. and I had Ed- Edwin Diaz number three. Um, Diaz hit some minor bumps last year, actually lost his job for like two weeks, but still finished with strong numbers overall. He's only 23 years old. Throws with great velocity. Safeco Field in Seattle is a great place for pitchers. It's not as much a topic when you're talking about small sample size relievers, but you know, 13.5 K per nine through his first 117 major league innings. I'm pretty high on him having a big year. And then I had a role as Chapman number four. Okay. Um, can I think can most definitely jump back into the the top tier of closers if 
he shows better durability this year. Missed a month in the first half last season with rotator cuff inflammation. Of course, shoulder injuries are, are a concern, and they sometimes are a lingering concern. Um, and then I guess the risk there is that the Yankees have a ton of other talented bullpen arms. Exactly, with, yeah. With with closer-like profiles. David Robertson, Dylan Batances, Chad Green was amazing last year. Tommy Canely is really good, too. Um, and they have a new manager in, in Aaron Boone who doesn't necessarily owe anything to Chapman. So if there is a slip-up, I, I think there could be a quick change. But I mean, the upside is huge on a stacked Yankees team. And um, Ch- Chapman, you know, finished strong. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty high on his upside. You know, he's just got to do it. Yeah, I mean, I I put him eighth, and I just you know he had a couple of DL stints last year. The strikeout rate, which was previously like otherworldly, now it's kind of come back to the pack a little bit. We're seeing a lot of relievers strike out a similar number of batters. And as you said, the Yankees have a ton of alternatives if he slips or gets hurt. Um, so I'm docking him a little bit, but I agree. He could be an awesome value if things break right. Um, Ken Giles, where did you have him? Sixth. Yeah, I had him sixth too. Had a really good regular season in 2017 for the 101-win Astros. Then I think just kind of simply ran out of gas in the postseason. Um, looked especially done in, in the World Series while the Astros turned to Charlie Morton and Brad Peacock to finish off games. Um, but I think after an offseason arrest, I, I think he's ready to have another good regular season in 2018 and might actually be kind of a value. Um, 2.43 career ERA, 336 strikeouts, and 244 major league innings. The closer on maybe the best team in baseball, you know, the defending champs. I'm pretty high on him. I think Felipe Rivero probably has the least name recognition of anybody inside my top 10, but uh, he's really good. Uh, and I'm yeah. okay being aggressive with him. Had a 1.67 ERA last year in 73 appearances, 88 strikeouts in 75 and a third innings. Good control, keeps the ball on the ground and in the ballpark. That's what you want right now in Major League Baseball, especially late in games. So I'm all in with him. I have him number four. Yeah, averaged 98.5 miles an hour on his fastball from, from the left side. Um, and, and that's, you know, a, pit, a pitch FX rating. It's, you know, the stadium guns are, are a little more generous to, to miles an hour. He throws like 101, 102. He's incredible. Um, yeah. And the Pirates could, could be okay. That yeah, could be. Yeah. Added Corey Dickerson uh, on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Um, Corey Knievel, I think, is um, an interesting dude. Um, I worry about the control. Yeah, um, me too. Walked 40 batters in 76 innings last year. Still managed a 1.7 ERA with all of those free passes, largely because he struck out 126 batters in 76 innings. But you can't walk 40 batters in 76 innings again and expect an ERA below two. In that ballpark as well. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a little worried. And he has an injury history too with the elbow. Um, so I think likely his price will be a little higher than I'm willing to pay. I had him 10th. Um, you know, maybe that's putting him a little too low given the strikeout upside. I'm willing to admit that, but, um, yeah, he's probably not someone I'm going to get this year. I had Cody Allen ninth and I think he's another guy you could make the argument. He deserves to be higher, but as long as Andrew Miller's around, you never know what could happen in that bullpen. So I had to put him down a little bit. Um, at 10th or no, at ninth, I had race, race, Iglesias. Um, I, it might not be all that appealing to draft a closer on what will likely be one of the worst teams in the majors and the Reds, but that's really not been an issue. Um, 
with guys getting saves, it's kind of an issue, but it's not something you really need to concern yourself about when the dude is as good as a as a Glacius is. Yeah, I don't think you want to overthink it, basically. Yeah. Um, 2.51 ERA, 175 strikeouts over his last 154 innings. Also has a very team-friendly contract that runs through 2020, so I, I don't see Cincinnati trading him anytime soon into like a setup role on a contending team. So I think he's pretty safe. I had Brad Hand and Alex Colome 11th and 12th, and they're guys that I could see being traded. So I think maybe on performance alone, you could say maybe they are potentially top 10 closers, but the potential of a trade worries me a little bit there. I had Wade Davis 13th, and another one that might look weird on the surface, he had a 2-3-0 ERA with 32 saves last season, but now he's in Coors Field. And despite his success last year, we saw an uptick in home runs and walks. So another closer I'm sort of reluctant to pay through the nose for. Brandon Morrow was 12th for me. I think he was number 15 for you, right? Yes. Um, he's been going relatively late in the drafts I've done so far. I think part of that is because people are or were concerned about the Cubs adding someone else, um, possibly Greg Holland, who's still out there while, while we're recording this. But I, I don't know. It seems like they're prepared to, to roll with Morrow as their closer and if, if he is the closer, I think there's a lot to like about his fantasy outlook. 2.06 ERA, 50 to 9 K to walk ratio in 43 innings last season for the Dodgers. And then appeared in all seven of their World Series games. If, if you're worried about durability, I think he kind of proved that, that he can hold up by, by doing that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you can't really ignore the injury history. But I, in yeah. a way, I, I wonder if... The Cubs using him as their closer and kind of just as their ninth inning guy might be a way to sort of protect him. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Um, so you know, it should definitely be fascinating to watch. But I had him 15th, which is when you get beyond 15, it gets really shaky, I think, with closers yep. this year. Uh, there's a lot of iffy situations. I think one of the better ones as you get toward from, from that 15-20 range, Blake Trinan with the A's. Yep. Um, someone we've liked in the past, but I think he could sneak up on some people, and I might have sold him short in my rankings. I have him 18th. He had a 2-1-3 ERA and 35 appearances after going to the A's last season. 42-12 to strikeout-to-walk ratio in 38 innings. Also saved 13 games in that time. He could make a nice leap this year. Yeah, more of a ground ball pitcher traditionally, but the yeah. strikeout rate was pretty good last year. Um, I, I like him. I, I like the A's. You had Mark Melanson in your top 15. Yeah, and I didn't um, feel great about it, but yeah. he's just another one of those guys, like, I know he's going to have kind of a long leash at closer given the contract. Unless he's hurt again, I think he'll get an opportunity to to reclaim his status. Yeah, that's fair. He's just someone I probably will let someone else draft. I agree. Um, 4.50 ERA in 30 innings last year with the Giants. Needed surgery in September to repair the pronator muscle in his right forearm. There's a lot of red flags there, but you're right. They'll probably keep running him out there until he's completely done. Uh, Jer- um, Jerry yeah. Familia is someone I wanted to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. New Mets manager Mickey Callaway has said he's open to a committee-type approach in the ninth inning, but I think Familia will get most of the chances, at least initially. Of course, Familia missed a large chunk of last season. He underwent surgery to remove a blood clot near his shoulder, he was a little rusty initially after returning down the stretch last season, but had a pretty good September. Um, so I had him 17th just because there is some question about how things might play out. And of course, A.J. Ramos is there if he stumbles, but Familia could be a decent value. I think he's someone we're going to have to watch during spring training, and I think his average draft position could could jump up if he's looking more like himself. 
Another lower tier closer that I kind of like is Blake Parker of the Angels. Um, 2.54 ERA, 0.83 whip, and 86 to 16 K to walk ratio in 67 innings last year. Um, I think kind of quietly because he, he didn't really step into the closer role until near the end, until Bud Norris had kindly worn, finally worn out his welcome. Um, P- Parker posted the highest va- fastball velocity of his career, and his split finger has really become a legitimate out pitch. It was the most effective split pink, split finger of any MLB reliever last season, though. You know, obviously, not everyone throws that pitch. Yeah, I, I, I think we went through this last year with Mike Sosha. I, I have no <laughs> idea who his closer is from any given week to week situation. And they have Cam Bedrosian, uh, Middleton's there as well. So, I mean, who knows? He's what's lost gonna... without Houston Street, <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, who knows what's going to happen? I think Parker has some some nice potential there. Another uh, pitcher I really like, Archie Bradley with the Diamondbacks. If he gets a chance to run away with the closer job there in Arizona, I think he could be really good. 173 ERA and 79 to 21 strikeout to walk ratio in 73 innings last season was like their relief ace. I, I wonder if maybe he's better off kind of being in a high leverage situation, kind of pitching seventh, eighth innings as opposed to the ninth. So I think that's an interesting situation to watch. But if he does get a chance to run away with this job, he could definitely jump up on this list. I had him 21st, but. Uh, the potential is there for him to be much more than that. Brad Brock, uh, I think, should be pretty good for the Orioles. Um, I, I don't. Zach Britton, I guess, is talking about coming back in June. I don't. I don't know. I think it could be a li- little bit longer than that. And Brock's been a, a really effective pitcher for going on five, six years now. Um, ha- has had some good years with the strikeout rate too. It wasn't especially great last year, but ERA is good. Um, I, I think he could just kind of run away with that job. I guess the risk is the Orioles might trade him, um, but they might trade Britain too. So who knows what that bullpen's going to look like come August. So what, um, what's going yeah. on with the Cardinals closer situation? Do you think I don't uh, know, man. Luke I don't Gregerson, know. is he really the guy? I don't have Gregerson in my top 30. I really don't know what's going on there. I think they're going to sign Greg Holland. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that but sounds I, like the logical plan, but yeah, right now I don't have Holland in my top 30 either, so. I don't even really like Holland that much, even yeah. though you know he tied for the NL lead and saves. His second half was really concerning. Yeah. But I, I think they're kind of just waiting until his market completely falls into their lap, because I, I just don't I don't believe that they're going to go into the year with Luke Gregerson as their closer. He wasn't even really good last year. Um, they do have a lot of impressive young arms. I mean, we talked about Alex Reyes. There's a possibility of him being in the bullpen when he comes back. They also have Jordan Hicks, who they really like, throws really hard. Um, Dakota Hudson is a, is a young guy that throws really hard. Sam Tuivalala is a, guy, a young guy they had that throws really hard. Tyler Lyons was awesome last year. Um, so, I, I mean, they, they talk about how they've created this bullpen of depth, and I think that is a good strategy, but knowing Mike Matheny, he's going to want a dedicated closer. and I just I don't know who, who that would be. I, don't, I can't imagine it would actually be Gregerson. I think the Twins' late-inning situation is is pretty interesting. They have Fernando Rodney, who's sort of the closer on paper right now. Don't uh, don't draft him. Don't draft. Him. <laughs> but they also signed Addison Reed uh, to yeah. a really nice value contract in my mind. And in a way, I kind of get having Rodney in the ninth inning uh, because you don't want him coming into a game with runners already on base. Uh, so you kind of save Reed for those high leverage spots earlier. 
Um, but I could see Reed taking that job if Rodney completely implodes, which is definitely possible. Probably fairly easy to imagine that happening, actually. So I think Reed could be a nice specul- speculative value uh, in kind of deeper drafts. Yeah, Tr- Trevor Hildenberger is good, too, in that bullpen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rodney did pitch well last year after that bad first month with the Diamondbacks. Got to give him credit for that. But yep. he turns 41 years old before the start of the regular season. And yeah, I, I like Minnesota's internal options better. Um, I, uh, Nate Jones, I think, is someone you can get in the last round, maybe even pick up off the waiver wire, even in a deeper league. I don't know what exactly to make of the White Sox bullpen. But I think if Jones gets through spring training healthy, he's he's probably going to be named the primary closer. Um, Joe Kim Soria is, is in the mix, but Jones is probably a better pitcher at this point when, when he's healthy, which has been kind of rare in the last two, three years. That's true. You know, Juan Manaya finished the 2017 season as as their ninth inning man and on the south side of Chicago, but he's just not very good. So. I mean, that, that'll be something to track. It's, it's a reason to buy the draft guide because we, we update the closer reports in there throughout the spring. Um, K- Kyle Bearclaw, I think, is a good late-round stash, assuming Brad Ziegler can't hang on to the Marlins' closer gig. At, or gets at traded age. at some point. Yeah, if they can get anything for him. Yeah. I mean, he's 38 years old, had a 4.79 ERA and 1.55 whip last year. So I feel pretty good about there being a change there at some point. Um, Bearclaw owns a 2.87 career ERA, two, 219 strikeouts, and 163 major league innings. Yeah, Drew um, Steckenrider is another pitcher yeah. I like out of that Marlins bullpen, another young pitcher. They might not want to throw him into the closer role because it could make him more expensive in arbitration down the line, but uh, he's an exciting young arm. I like A.J. Minter with the Braves a lot, mm-hmm. um, and this is kind of pending what happens with the Rodas Vizcaino, but you know, if his performance lags or he gets hurt, I mean, Minter is pretty exciting. Hard thrower, was impressive in his first taste of the majors last season. 26 strikeouts and two walks in 15 innings. Definitely look out for him. Um, we were talking about Morrow earlier. Um, obviously not out of the realm of possibility that he gets hurt if you've followed his career at all. But, um, you know, you look at the options beyond Morrow, Carl Edwards Jr., I think, is someone to keep an eye out for. Maybe even Steve Ciszek, who's who's closed in the past. So there's options in that Cubs bullpen if something goes wrong. Um, Shane Green, the Tigers' closer, blew only one save over the final two months last season, finished with a 2.66 ERA and 73 strikeouts and 67 innings. Will come really cheap in drafts, and I see him having a pretty good leash on the job, uh, especially with Alex Wilson potentially moving into the Tigers' rotation. They're stretching him out this spring, and, and there will be a spot open for him, I think, if he pitches well in Grapefruit League games. Yeah, I think Green will begin the year as the closer. As you said, had a 2.66 ERA last season. The walks worry me a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but I think he'll have a little bit of a leash initially. Uh, Joe Jimenez seems like the closer of the future for the Tigers, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Jimenez another guy to keep an eye on. And then with the Diamondbacks, over the offseason, they acquired Brad Boxberger from the Rays. Uh, they also signed uh, Yoshihisa Hirano from Japan. Uh, he's kind of an older guy. He's 34, has a 310 uh, career ERA in Japan. He was 267 ERA last year, 192 the year before. Uh, not necessarily a huge swing and miss guy, so I'm interested to see how that translates in the majors. But uh, there's definitely options in, in the back end of the Diamondbacks bullpen, uh, and they can move Bradley back to the 7th and 8th. So I think that's definitely a situation to watch, too. 
Kelvin Herrera, another guy I'm probably avoiding. Um, Going to open the season as the Royals closer, but he was bad last year. Uh, you know, coming off back-to-back All-Star appearances in 2015, 2016, plus really good numbers. Just the strikeout rate fell, the walks went up, the ERA of 4.25, a WHIP of 1.35, and even if he pitches well, I think the Royals will flip him for prospects as fast as they can. For sure. Um, so I, I would just. I would let someone else talk themselves into into the name recognition there. Um, I'm, I, that's it for me with relievers. If you're if you're good, yeah, I don't really have anything else. Um, I like Sean Doolittle. We didn't cover. Oh him. yeah, Sean Doolittle, yeah. of course. Um, that's he all was, I have to say about. No, him. no, that's good. I'm glad you brought that up because he was awesome with the Nationals down the yeah, stretch last season. Really solved that ninth inning problem they had. We know the Nationals are going to be good and win a ton of games. Um, so yeah, I think he could be a nice value. There is the injury history with Doolittle that you always have to keep in mind, but I don't think he's going to have a high price tag. Probably mm-hmm. would be drafted as kind of like a second closer, but he could exceed that value for sure. Yep. I like, I like him as a, you know, like you can get him in the mid to late rounds and that's pretty good as the closer on what should be a really good team. And with, with the kind of numbers that he's post that he posted last year for the, for Washington. For sure. Um, So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, So that'll do it for this week. Uh, We'll be back next week as the spring training schedule gets into full swing. During March, we'll go through spring training storylines, position battles to watch, mock draft and actual draft analysis, and much more. So stay tuned for all that. If you like what you're hearing with this show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. And also rate and review if you don't mind. That would be a big help. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Sill. And we'll see you next week. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.